1: Welcome, Kevin Klein and Mike Rubido, to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. Guys, how are you doing? Great, Tom. How are you today? I'm doing well. Kevin, you there? Good, Tom. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Guys, thanks for uh, coming in. I'm going to introduce you in a moment, but I wanted to tell the listener that what we're going to do today is really talk about. I- I'll use the term. Uh, post-COVID era. I don't know if that's proper or not, but it seems like with the vaccines and people getting tested, we're starting to move, hopefully, in a more normal state. Um, Again, it's been about a year, and uh, now everybody's got kind of restless to get out of this past year, Uh, but it's taken us some time, but a lot of changes down the road, and I want to go over that and get points of view from Michael and Kevin, since they're both uh, in the security type business. Let me introduce you to Michael. Michael is a risk management consultant, and he, uh, he offers identity theft protection and legal plans to individuals and companies. Um, he sees a lot going on because he talks to business owners and clients of what, uh, what they're looking at at this particular point. Now, Kevin, uh, has a partner and he owns a company called Egregious uh, Agarus. Is that what it is called, Kev? Roger,
2: the Ageris Group.
1: Yes. Uh, and and he has a partner, and Kevin's been in the FBI for 30 years as a special agent, uh, retiring as a senior executive. So He's had a lot of uh, experience, but Kevin also works with companies in implementing security strategies uh, for them in all sizes. So these guys kind of know what's going on in the world. So let me let me ask you, Kev. Uh, I mean, Michael. Uh, let's go back to the legal part of it. Um, mm-hmm. re- what are reassurances? do the members have in receiving good legal advice because of what's happening out there and all the changes?
3: I mean, Tom, our law firms never shut down. I mean, even before everything happened last March, um, we had revamped our our computer systems and our our call-in systems with our law firms. And they had never even seen a hiccup in everything that, that we kind of saw last year in March. And the law firms have never shut down. They've been open for business and and on top of things, our law firms are vetted by the company. They do have an average of of 22 years as being an attorney. So it's certainly something that, um, you know, when you contact one of our law firms, you're going to get a experienced attorney. um, And they also are, like I said, vetted with our company. And it's certainly something that you're going to get top notch service and attorneys when you contact us.
1: And and Michael, what, you know, with all of this going on and all identity theft and a lot of these uh, things happening during this past year, because everybody's online, um, mm-hmm. what are the areas uh, in which there are legal concerns? It, it's, it's life services legal concerns. I mean, things, you
3: know, initially last March, people had travel plans. They had, you know. Concerts canceled. They had venues that they had canceled, and that was one of the big topics of the um, the, the calls into the law firms last year. Um, healthcare access and availability, availability, medical forms, healthcare directors, directives, and power of attorneys, wills were huge. From March to June last year versus the previous year, 2019, our wills alone were up 66% within the company. Um, insurance processes and claims, housing matters, and related, you know, issues for essential services, childcare concerns, education concerns, employer-employee issues. I mean, the list the list goes on because things that happened since March last year it's just a whole new ballgame for everybody, and everybody's got questions and, and concerns
1: on it. Especially the healthcare people with all the, pro, uh, the procedural things that were norm before last March are obviously not norm anymore. So I would think that the practitioners in the health field are very wary about any changes or doing anything that uh, is a little different at this point of the game as far as legalities and stuff. Absolutely. It's a completely different game for everybody. And
3: there's new legislation, there's new policies and procedures that that everybody's trying to come up with and trying to be, you know, on top of, but even still, nobody has all the answers to all the questions.
1: So Kevin, um, thanks, Mike. Kevin, what, um, uh, in the public, what are the companies and the businesses experiencing as there appears to be a return to the norm?
2: What companies are experiencing right now is pretty much a, um, change. Um, you know, as Mike was saying, we you know we had the norm uh, a year ago, and then the last year has been adapting to the COVID environment, and then adapting to those adaptations. And the last year has been nothing but uh, assessment and reassessment relative to dealing with customers, really dealing with your own employees, dealing with your own business situation, vendors. So it's been a year of uh, readjustment and change. And now as companies are going back to their pre-COVID normal, uh, a lot of these companies are having to look inward and figure out what that uh, the impact is going to be. Uh, by way of example, there you know there were a lot of companies prior to COVID. Um, All their employees worked in the office box. They all had their cubicles. Uh, During COVID, everyone worked from home. And now coming back, there's a number of employees who are now expecting or requesting uh, home from work status, full-time, part-time. So a lot of these companies are going to have to assess what uh, is working and what changes they're going to implement. And what we have been doing more and more is advising a lot of these businesses on the security and investigative ramifications of these changes relative to employees working from home, uh, the security of personnel, their networks, their communication systems, their supply chain. There's a lot of uh, uh, a ripple effect uh, that is going to take place as companies move back to the post-COVID new normal.
1: I would assume with all the changes, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who are now working out of their home, especially insurance companies and financial institutions. Uh, The the whole thing about security and uh, identity theft and, you know, uh, people attacking software, uh, what's happening in that area? Is that a big concern or are things already in place before this happened?
2: Um, things were in place, but like over the last year, companies began to adjust on the fly due to the abrupt change. This wasn't, you know, COVID was not a an incremental change. It was abrupt. People were, there are still offices that were closed that still have food on the desks, paper from last March. Um, and so the change was very abrupt and it was adapting on the fly. Uh, now, Companies have to um, ascertain and determine whether or not those changes are going to be long term, and what they're going to have to do is identify and come up with long- term solutions uh, for their security. Uh, having employees work from home is if if it's beneficial for a company's bottom line and they're getting the effectiveness and the efficient efficiency of employees and still maintaining culture and um, other standards, then that's fine security, uh, components within a company are going to have to adapt to that, ascertain what their gaps and vulnerabilities are and work on those to ensure a holistic security posture for the, uh, for the post COVID status of, uh, of these companies.
1: And, and, you know, there's been so many changes and, and Michael, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that I had brought up was the, um, the, the litigious society and having an employer making a decision, which normally would have been under pre-COVID conditions, and now making that same decision in COVID era. Um, what, uh, in your, under your planning um, with employers, do they have the option of investigating through your plans uh, the right things to do Under the current situation, to avoid litigation with employees, for example, employers, employees, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. On both the employer side and the employee side, that they certainly have the
3: opportunity and advantage where they they can contact one of our law firms and get the answers almost immediately. Uh, just for an example, I had a, a, a customer recently who worked for the federal government contracted COVID on the job, and her manager told her that you know she she, she couldn't come into her place of work, and she was not eligible for COVID pay contacts the law firm, the law firm immediately says, you know what, I can't, I can't believe we're having this conversation, wound up calling the manager, and within 10 minutes, she, she was filling out the forms for her COVID pay, and, you know, at the same time, on the employer side, if that person um, researched it beforehand, and, and talked to a reputable attorney, that incident would never have happened. So absolutely those questions, those issues are raised on a daily, almost hourly basis, sadly so. And since March of last year, we've had an online resource for both our members and our group members as well. I should say our small business side as well, where we've had a website that was updated daily uh some of the main issues that are going on with COVID and with the questions that a lot firms were, were experiencing. And they could just go to this resource and probably 90% of the time find the, the answers to the questions that they're looking for.
1: Yeah. And and so, Kev, I mean, Mike, in that area of legal advice, what do you think is the concentrated area where the legal, I know you gave me some a description before that was long-term, uh, and more uh, broad, but what are the real uh, areas of legal advice that people seem to be using now during this era?
3: I mean, I, I think, you know, I kind of touched on it before, first and foremost, are the wills. I mean, it, it's just such, you know, because of the uncertain times, there, there there is that uncertainty. There is that sense of finality, if you will, where they want to have all their affairs in order should something happen. And just those, you know, should I, could I, questions, you know, do I have to get vaccinated to go to work? What if my employer makes me get vaccinated? And these are all some of the the questions that we're seeing.
1: So are are we, do you expect Mike to see more uh, rules come out of Washington to reverse some of the rules we had in COVID era? I honestly don't know.
3: I mean, there's a lot that has come up, a lot of new you know, rules and standards that, that, that we have come up with. And short term, I see those sticking around for the near future. Um, long term, hopefully you know, we, we, we definitely can get back to some sense of normalcy that, that we were used to before COVID.
1: I spoke to uh, a number of HR people over the last month and you know uh, (laughs) our world is upside down because all of a sudden we're we have to learn so much more uh, and the people that are specializing it like you and Kevin need to know even more so but I found that a lot of the HR people are you know they're just being inundated with all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff so it appears that you're your pr- programs are very good resources for HR people to hone in on, I would think.
3: Absolutely, and especially on our, our small business plan side, a lot of times those HR people um, are um, part- not so much partnered, but they are a, um, a source to go to for those questions with, with the um, attorneys that we have, yes.
1: Um, Hey, Kevin, uh, one of the things I was thinking about is uh, what are the companies, um, what are they doing for their security and investigative posture right now?
2: Well, I think one of the things that needs to be done uh, pretty much immediately is for senior leadership in every organization to have a conversation about what their uh, expectations are for a return uh, due to the increasing positive public health situation. So that needs to start at the at the senior level as to uh, an understanding and assessment of what is best for their company, uh, their their culture, uh, their clients and their and their people. And from that, uh, that uh, discussion of senior leadership, Uh, security and investigative component of an organization needs to be uh, ramped up to that, and then it's going to have to respond. So, you know, we're advising clients specifically that to ensure uh, their senior leadership is having these conversations. Uh, If they are not, then it is incumbent upon that security unit to have, to begin to plan for uh, what the future holds for their individual companies, and then identify uh, and implement uh, plans that are going to be a uh, reaction to what the what their new normal is in, in their return to work. Uh, you know, we have a list of categories, you know, that pretty much goes down from, uh, you know, si- from cybersecurity, site security, personal security, um, just so there is a um, an overall uh, review of what's going on and and to identify any changes uh, if necessary.
1: Uh, Kevin, I know you've always uh, 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 welcomed people who have these questions to call you about it. And I assume that 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 still exists today if people wanna call you about what's going on, they can.
2: Yes, sir. And we're we're providing a lot of very general consulting, specific consulting Um, for some clients. We're actually uh, shepherding their conversations uh, so they have a holistic 360 view of what, you know, what their new normal is going to be. A lot of it is going to be solidifying uh, past practices. Um, If everyone is returning to work uh, and in a brick and mortar office. Um, one of the things we're emphasizing is training or retraining to manage expectations and get everyone you know back on the same page, uh, so to speak. So there's a, a lot of considerations from security, and uh, you know what you want to do is you really want to be proactive at this time rather than having everyone come back and then spending months reacting uh, once again uh, as we have for the, pretty much the last year.
1: Yeah, well, that brings up another question is, are you seeing trends or issues that um, you're seeing in the corporate security and and investigative space that are not related to COVID? Uh,
2: Yeah, a lot of them. I think one of the things, and the articles are coming out about it right now, a lot of the academic studies, um, the work from home has been, had a significant and almost negative impact on some companies, there's, uh, there is more uh, potential and an increase in insider threat relative to uh, embezzlement, relative to um, uh, conduct uh, that is detrimental to the company. Um, and by the way of uh, cyber, you have people who uh, are working from home and um, are causing negative uh, impact on the company either deliberately for their own profit Or negligently because they don't have the appropriate supervision um, or mentoring. So there's a lot of those issues that have arisen. Um, There's a lot of, I would say, um, the IO psychology side of it where, you know, there's a lot of employee and new employees from working from home don't uh, believe that there's a connection to a company. um, And let's take it right down to loyalty. And that's kind of lost. When you're working from home, you're signing in, um, we've seen uh, instances of employees not having contact with their supervisor in months, if not the entire year, um, working uh, you know at different hours, and all of that is a, a, a significant disconnect to a company, which also leads to a lot of vulnerabilities uh, that can be exploited relative to security.
1: Yeah. Boy, it's almost like a whole new world, isn't it? Uh, Issues that we never had to think about. I mean, I, again, I talked to so many people that are working home. They love it. Um, But they're long-term employees, you know, they're loyal to their company, but I could see where that could be a problem with new people, you know?
2: Right. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the younger generation, they often bounce around uh, to different jobs and they've been working from home. And, there's going to be a lot of expectation that there's going to be the request that people do this. And there's a big difference of an employee who's worked at a company for 30 years and knows what they're doing. And there's a lot of loyalty as we call, you know, faith, trust, confidence in them uh, as opposed to someone right out of college that uh, we really don't want to leave out on their own we may need to bring them in and you know, just make sure that uh, do an assessment, make sure they're trained, mentored, coached uh, to develop the right skills, the right attributes uh, for uh, potentially working from home in the future.
1: So screening new employees, if this trend continues where a new employee could be hired on a Tuesday and end up working home on Wednesday, right? Um it, it it is now a big part of uh, our,
2: our backgrounds. Um, when we do a background investigation, uh, someone's you know trustworthiness, dependability, character, it goes into that assessment not only for whether or not they're going to be hired, uh, but whether or not they can be technically trusted to work from home based on their knowledge skills and abilities.
1: Well, you know, I keep what keeps going through my head right now is identity theft. You know, I, I, these these uh, people are very savvy on their computers and they know how to hack things. And uh, and we have professional hackers. Uh, can, uh, Michael, you must see this all the time. But Mike, tell us a little bit about um, the increase in identity theft and, and what can you do to protect yourself?
3: I mean, it's certainly the fastest growing crime in the country. It just recently beat out drug trafficking. And while the numbers for for 2020 aren't in yet, the 2019 fraud victims lost $16.9 billion. I'll just let that sink in for a minute. $17 billion. (laughs) And and most of those people... had to take care of it themselves, they didn't have the resources. they didn't know where to go to ask for it. And, you know, along with that, too, and Kevin, maybe you can chime in on this as well. um, Their online reputation is huge in going for those jobs and, you know, the employers looking at their, their social media accounts to see, you know, to to what you said, Kevin, if they're reputable, if they're trustworthy, and that that's being more and more, I I guess, prevalent and looked at where your online reputation is almost as important as your physical reputation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we're doing, Um, and we're advising clients to evolve from the HR doing uh, basic record checks through a service to uh, having more comprehensive uh, background investigation done. So uh, just to round out that, you know, it's one thing to do basic record checks and you're going to hire someone and they're not wanted, they're not, you know, a registered, registered sex offender and you know, they have a driver's license, that's that's great. But I think nowadays with the new normal, you're gonna to want to have a lot more holistic assessment of this person. And that, that really turns from background screening um, into background investigation, where we, we, and we look at all that. We look uh, exactly on the online, um, you know, their social media accounts, what other information there is. Um, I often use the example where it's really bad to hire an employee and you checked them and they haven't been arrested and it's great. And it's the summer company picnic and they show up with a short sleeve shirt and they got, you know, swastika tattoos on their arm. Um, maybe you wanted to check out their social media profile, you know, before hiring them.
1: Yeah. It's amazing how deep you have to go nowadays. Um, it is interesting. Hey, but Michael, uh, you you've seen a lot of this. Can you, Explain to us what are the measures that would help to avoid uh, these type of problems? I mean, there's there's definitely things that you could do
3: to help yourself, help yourself become more secure. And there's actually a resource. We, we can either uh, attach it to the show notes on the podcast or if somebody emails me, I can definitely send them a uh, list of seven things that you can do right now to help fix and protect your identity um but but some of the things that we've we've seen with the uh, the coronavirus is i mean th- there's unknown health products out there there's a few products uh, you know, that are supposedly allegedly um available to treat this that, that they're looking for your money uh there's websites and your urls out there that are looking to scam people Using the coronavirus as the vehicle, and I think within hours of the coronavirus being evolved or announced, there were already identity theft scams about this. Um, and you know, just keeping a good check on opening your emails and do not click on that suspicious link or that you know attachment from somebody that you may or may not have that relationship with. Something as simple as changing your passwords frequently um, is could be a game changer. I I actually got a call from uh, a newer acquaintance the other night. Um, We had talked about identity theft last week. He calls me in a panic on on Monday night saying, hey, I just tried to log into two of my bank accounts. They both shut me down. Was I hacked? I honestly don't know. Contact your banks. That you know, there's, and even if it's after business hours, there is an eight hundred number where you can, you know, most often, more often than not, get a hold of somebody at the bank. And it turns out that yes, somebody did get into his accounts. So luckily, they didn't take or transfer much of the funds. But because he had a very simple username and a very simple password they were able to get into two separate accounts two separate banks so something is is simple as password management on your part could be that safety measure that that kind of gets you out of that situation if you will
1: so you you must be a big proponent of having uh, antivirus software on your systems and good stuff the real good stuff i would assume. Yeah, I, I personally use
3: McAfee. I mean, if for no other reason than that, I mean, their reputation, their you know, ease of use with the system. And it, it's something that I've used for a long time. I'm sure there, there's bigger, better ones out there, <laughs> but it, it's certainly what I use.
1: And, and Michael, are you, are you seeing an increase in uh, donation scams, charitable ch- uh, scams?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like I said, you know, within hours of, of COVID being announced, there there's scams, you know, help this special interest group or help donate to our fire or police organization. And it, it's definitely something you want to ask the questions. Most of the time we're getting the robocalls, but if you actually do get that person, that live person that, that, that calls you, you know, Ask where these resources are being used. Are they being used in my local community? How much of a percentage of my donation is going to your organization? So you definitely want to ask the questions
1: before you give the money. Thanks, Mike. Um, Kevin, can I come back to you? On, on So tell me a little bit of what is happening in the uh, cybersecurity arena that everyone should be concerned about currently.
2: Well, I you know I think the first thing and it's you know, been all over the news is the uh the issues relative to you know solar winds and the uh, the potential for in the breadth of that uh, intrusion into a number of different systems and right now what we're seeing is it's it's a race it's a race between the patches that are being implemented to uh, to thwart, you know, the uh, expansion of the solar winds intrusion, and at the same time, the efforts of a, you know, non-friendly government uh, to exfil as much information as they can. So, you know, we're we're seeing that at a at a very uh, high level. Um, but when we talk about, you know, the cyber side, and I say this more and more. So I have no idea what cybersecurity is anymore because it is so many different things to so many different people. Um, you know, we can sit here and talk about solar winds and the Russian government's efforts to intrude upon our, you know, our our systems, our networks, um, pretty much are the pillars of our society. Um, and at the same time, we have every scam, uh, as you know, as Michael talked about, um, that is still the tried and true you know, email phishing, spear phishing still uh, goes on. Um, then we have, you know, companies that are just waiting to be um, hacked, waiting to be intruded upon due to the fact that they don't, they are not proactive in their efforts. Uh, nowadays, what we're doing is we're looking at clients on their computer systems, doing vulnerability assessments, doing, you know, a penetration tests to ascertain where they, uh, they have risk and then providing recommendations to fill that risk. Um, and all the while looking at that relative to the new, new policies that have come out for, you know, for cybersecurity um, as well. So the field is, is there are so many different threats. There are so many different schemes from identity theft to actual intrusion at uh, at unbelievably high levels. Uh, but every day, you know there are primarily, and it's no secret, the you know Chinese government and the Russian government, followed closely by the Iranian government, try every day to um, intrude upon our computers and network systems. And for a lot of these companies, they don't—they are targets. They may not think they're a target, but due to the fact that they do something in the supply chain, they do become targets of these nation states because they produce a widget that eventually ends up downstream into some uh, either military product or other, uh, other, a part of another business. And it could be not only the production or manufacturing, but it could also be um, ideas. Uh, it also could be different you know, procedures that'll help uh, foreign nation states have a more effective and efficient process uh, in their own countries, in their own military establishments or their own intel communities.
1: Boy, that that made me tired, Kevin. Oh, gee, that's a lot to bring to bed with you and worry about, huh? Gee. Um, yeah,
2: it, it's just it, it's a field now that is is it, I would say is so comprehensive now, uh, cybersecurity that in a good uh, a good company that is involved in it needs to spend a lot of time with a client determining what their needs are and what they what they do to ensure that not only are they secure, uh, they're they're securing everything they do, their systems, their networks, and also that there's bells and whistles if there's something does go wrong, uh, and then what to do. you know uh, as Michael has talked about the guy who called him, um, you know he you know he couldn't get into his account. you know what that tells me is the bank should have been calling him first you know, that there should have been a trigger internally in that institution that says something's not right, rather than him having to tell the company that there's a problem.
1: You know, uh, the whole area is, for the for the layman, that whole area of cybersecurity is almost an enigma, because, you know, there's so much to it now. Uh, it's It's very hard to Comprehend and get your arms around. As a matter of fact, as you were telling me that, you know, one of my four buckets of working with business owners is the protection bucket. And when I think of that, I think about, you know, death, disability, illness, um, a capital loss from a, a claim, you know, um, some kind of hazardous thing. And I never really thought about the cybersecurity as being the protection part, but that's become. One of the biggest areas for protection for a company,
2: it is right now. It's the biggest protection, and yeah, you know, as Michael talked about, identity theft. um, Within thirty seconds, I could probably ask you three questions and tell you which countries have all your information. um, You know, based on your healthcare provider, based on uh, what it's, you know, whether you work for the government. uh, You know, having worked for the government, I know all of my PII. Um, is, uh, is held by a, you know, a foreign government. And one of the things and and you know, I'm sure Michael has seen it um, from these cyber intrusions, intrusions, and adversaries, uh, be it criminal organizations, you know, nation states getting your personally uh, identifying information, they may not be immediate in in having a negative effect on you they can keep that for a long time. You know, your social security number, your date of birth and your name are not going to change tomorrow or three years from now. So that you, there, there has, there have been intrusions where that information has been obtained and not utilized for years for a, you know, a fraudulent or a, you know, um, uh, another negative impact on, on the
1: individual. Oh, it's, um, Well, gentlemen, there's a lot more to talk about. We don't have the time, but what I would like to do for the remaining time we have is for each of you to explain um, how you do work with employers in uh, working with them in this area. So, Michael, why don't you go first? Can you kind of give us a, a procedural thing that you do with employers Sure. And if I could add just one one quick um, comment to what what Kevin was
3: just saying, I mean, it could be years before you find out identity theft. Um, One of the biggest areas is child identity theft. And if you think about it, it's a a freebie for 18 years. You're not going to find out if your child had their identity stolen until they normally, until they start applying for colleges and until they started applying for credit cards. And there's literally cases out there with three, four, and five-year-olds that are millions of dollars in debt and have houses and and condos foreclosed on them. So definitely, definitely have your um, child's credit score taken a look at. Um, but as, as far as how we, we, we deal with um, employers, employees, um, what I usually do is I sit down and have a discussion with the, either the business owner or the HR professional and just kind of explain how we can help both the employees and the employer, what the benefits to both are, and, and then we go from there if it makes sense, we're gonna set up a um, either like a lunch and learn or some sort of a staff meeting that they normally would have. I, I don't like to come in as you know <laughs> the quote unquote special guest and take the employees away from you know what they're supposed to be doing with the employer. So we just piggyback on, on a meeting that they're already having and just have a quick 10 minute discussion on how we can benefit you as as the employer. An employee. And at the same time, if that employer or that that business is looking to uh, protect themselves, it's it's pretty much the same situation where we, we have that quick conversation. We have a 10, 10 or 15 minute conversation. And within that time, we're going to know whether
1: or not it makes sense to move forward. And I will put your contact information in the show notes. So if anybody out there wants to contact Michael to talk to him about it, Michael welcomes all the calls. He'd be more than happy to help you. Uh, and Michael, I'll put, I'll take care of all that on the show notes and Kevin, and how do you work, Kevin, when someone is concerned about their security, how do you, what's your procedure to work with them?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, our clients are a, a real, very diverse group, uh, in, you know, in the last week we've dealt with, you know, fortune 500 companies that have dealt with, uh, you know, one of the largest, uh, Muslim uh, communities in the state of Connecticut. One of the largest Jewish congregations in the state of Connecticut. Another smaller business. So, really, what we do is we um, first off, our services are are cover a large uh, area, and we offer everything from investigations, background, internal, forensic accounting. Uh, we have full-time surveillance groups, electronic, you know, countermeasuring groups. Um, so we bring a, a wide and very diverse and experienced uh, list of services we can provide uh, to a client. And oftentimes when they call, uh, it's one of two things. It, um, it's either proactive or reactive. They're asking us to ascertain their security status. And it could be from site security, physical security, or cybersecurity and review that and then make it uh, harden the target, so to speak. Or it's reactionary where Um, They kind of want us to kind of look at uh, an internal matter, an internal investigation. It could be uh, something along either sexual harassment, it could be uh, embezzlement theft, or it could be, uh, you know, we've had customers call up and say, you know, I think something's going on. And I need someone to do, you know, interviews and figure out and uh, and and give me a peace of mind. So we offer those full line of services, and our background and experience, we can really uh, fulfill any need of any client.
1: And again, uh, Kevin, I will make sure all the contact information is in the show notes. And uh, gentlemen, I'd like to thank you so much for sharing all this with us. It's a new adventure now and a new era. So the more we learn, obviously, the more protected we will be, at least be aware of it. So, but I want to thank you very much for taking the time. Um, If you have any questions, you can email either one of the gentlemen or even email me and I will get it to them. And thanks for listening. And I appreciate, appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at perone. that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner, or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at Inc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA, include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request For additional information, click the show notes.